At Kelly Companies, it is no secret that they believe in the power of people. In an effort to help their Keelians get to know each other a little bit better, they decided to launch the Who Do You Know campaign. The goal was simple. Keelians were encouraged to have a conversation with someone outside of their circle. That's it. These conversations, however, have brought people together and farthered their world-class culture. Shout out to the Keelians who have made an effort to have meaningful conversations with new friends. You can learn more about those conversations, about those amazing friends, by visiting them online at Keely Companies. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. As you know by now, we literally search the world to bring you some of the most remarkable examples of individuals who are living inspired. We had such an example, such a hero, such a person to bring forward to you this week. We plan to share with you yet another remarkable example of someone living inspired. The interview was recorded. The Live Inspired seven questions had been answered and answered brilliantly. The episode had been produced. It was a brilliant example, brilliant story of someone who endured profound challenges, overcame them, grew through them in compassion and faithfulness, and now is impacting through their life the world brilliantly. And we're going to have to wait a little bit longer before sharing this episode with you. And right now you're probably wondering why, O'Leary, why can't we hear this now? And let me share with you the answer. Here it is. Because I just found out earlier this week that a man who positively changed my life when I was a child and then positively impacted my life when I was an adolescent and then positively again elevated my life when I was a young man and then ultimately positively impacted my life even during COVID while he was in a retirement home passed away last week. Today, my friends, I want to share with you four different meetings with this man. How each of those encounters changed and made my life so much better. How living like him will change not only your life, but also the life of everybody you encounter. So my friends, on this Live Inspired Thursday, what I'm going to encourage you to do is to pull up a chair, grab something to sip on, grab your favorite Live Inspired journal. You will want to take notes. You may want to grab a box of Kleenex. You may need it for this episode because we're going to be sharing with you the life and the impact of an incredible human being. His name was Carlos Papalardo. When I was 10 years old, I heard some words that no 10-year-old child should ever have to hear. My parents and I had left home earlier that day. We left about 4 a.m. We drove six hours to another city to visit a new hospital and to meet with a new doctor. We were tired. We were a little apprehensive. We were extremely excited, though. My parents and I were looking for hope. And we felt as if we had come to the right place. After being released from the hospital months earlier, I continued to struggle with my inability to much of anything with my hands. My fingers, or what remained of them, no longer had the ability to grasp things. 
After much research, my parents discovered two world-class surgeons capable of cutting into the palms of my hands, creating fingers from the webbing, and providing me some dexterity. We sat in front of the first doctor. Our eyes were wide with hope and with possibility. After we finished the examination, he quickly scanned my chart. He looked at my parents directly in their eyes and flippantly said, Well, if he was a horse, I would shoot him. My friends, he's talking about the 10-year-old child seated in the wheelchair in the same room as he is giving this evaluation. My mom and dad and I stared back at this physician in shock. We could not get out of that hospital room fast enough. We barely spoke on the drive home. We were hurt. We were sad. We were angry. We were broken. Far from being the types of individuals who do not have hope in their lives, mom, dad, and I believed in miracles. Still do. One of the reasons I beat the odds and survived my burns, despite all of the predictions to the contrary, was that we surrounded ourselves with the kind of individuals who saw hope they had possibility in their lives. The doctor who saw me that day said he would shoot me was the opposite. I'll never forget him. I'll never forget how he made me feel. And I'll never forget what happened two weeks later when we met Carlos Papalardo, the man whose life we celebrate today. We waited for almost an hour in the most aptly named of spaces. You ready for it? The waiting room. When we eventually were led back, we waited a little bit longer in one of the examining rooms. While we sought a better outcome than the last time, we were also aware that we might get more bad news. When the door finally opened, a short, white-haired doctor breezed into the room, singing. He sang in Italian. He sat down. He opened up my file. He continued his singing, and then it stopped. He clapped his hands together loudly he looked up with excitement at the wall and practically sang out the proclamation, What is this? I get to see John O'Leary today. This miracle little boy. I've heard so much about his coming to visit me. What luck is this? He clapped his hands again, shut the file, stood up and moved toward the door, singing again. He made his way completely out of the room, shut the door behind him. And I remember as a little boy in that wheelchair looking at my mom and dad like, what has just happened here? A moment later, the door opened up almost guiltily from the outside. A little face peeked its way around the corner, looked not at my mom, not at my dad, but directly at me. The singing had stopped, but Dr. Parvillardo and I made eye contact and he asked the question, were you here the whole time? I smiled and nodded. Yes, I was. He said, man, I am so embarrassed. I had no idea. May I come in? It's not my room, but I nodded. Yeah, of course. He walked in directly over to me and said, are you the miracle boy? Are you the one I've read about? Are you John O'Leary? I'd never been called a miracle boy in my entire life, but I nodded my head back and he said to me, John, it is an honor to meet you. My name is Carlos Papalardo. I'm a doctor here at this hospital. 
After thoroughly reviewing the charts and visiting with us for a while, my father asked the question, Doctor, what do you think about my son's prospects? What do you think about the likelihood of this surgery working? What do you see when you see my son's hands? Dr. Pappalardo looked away from my dad, away from my mom, directly at me, into my eyes, looked at my hands, looked back into my face, and then at my father before saying, when I see your son's hands, I see something as beautiful as an Italian sunset. That's what I see when I see your son's hands. A spirit of hope infused that little room that day, as well as a little boy's heart that day. This was our surgeon, and over time, Dr. Papalardo became my friend. Together, we had four different surgeries to breathe life and possibility, not only into my hands, cutting fingers out of the webbing of my hands, a remarkable surgery done by a remarkable guy, but he breathed life and possibility into a little boy who was beginning to lose a little bit of both. That was my first encounter with this mighty man who changed my life. And my friends, the second encounter may not have been as dramatic or has taken as much time, but it moved me deeply when it happened and continues to resonate with me years and years later. It happened when I was 15 years old in high school. My mother called the office after she learned that Dr. Carlos Papalardo's wife, Mickey, had passed away and the funeral was going to be that day. She picked me up, uh, brought my suit up. I remember I walked back into the high school. This is incredibly embarrassing for a 15-year-old high school boy to have to go back into that school, put on a suit and a tie. Oh, my goodness. Came back outside. I was furious at my mom to make me get dressed up like this. We made our way from the high school out to St. Louis County to a church, parked the car, walked in together, and then sat and prayed in this little church and waited. I just waited. Organ music was playing. And eventually, the service began. I remember several things specifically about that day. One was how incredibly crowded the church was. You know, occasionally when you're a kid, you go to funerals because your mom and dad might make you. And, and you look around and you're like, man, there's nobody here. Well, my mom, I thought, made me go this time. And I look back on it so grateful that she did. But I remember the church was packed. And then I remember as the casket began making its way down the aisle, it was followed by a long line of family members. But the first person in line behind that casket was my physician, was my doctor, was my Carlos Papalardo. I remember he stood and then walked behind the casket, surrounded by family. And what I remember specifically about him that day is he was wailing. We grew up in a family that the men very seldom showed that type of emotion. I very seldom saw weeping growing up. And on this day, Carlos Papalardo, behind the love of his life, unapologetically wept. He wept not only as he walked behind the casket. The service was about an hour long. He wept the entire time. He wept during the eulogies, during the singing. As we stood to walk back out, the casket moved first, followed by the pastor, followed by the family, followed by a man who just wept. 
he loved so deeply enough that when that love was taken away from him, he could not keep the emotions in and had no pride to keep him from hiding it from others in the church. And while watching him walk out with his family, it occurred to me that I hope one day in my life I fall in love so much with something that when it leaves, when we part, I can feel that kind of emotion, that kind of grief, that kind of sadness because I felt that kind of love. I learned that from a hand surgeon. I learned that as I watched him mourn his wife, Mickey. It was a lesson he taught me that I've never forgotten. And it brings me so much joy to know that this man who left that church on that day, so broken, so despondent, so discouraged, and so sad, would eventually not only be able to wipe those tears and hold on to that wife and those memories, but eventually find love again, not to replace his first life, but to celebrate the gift of life. He would spend the next 27 years with another love, Donna Devereaux. They would build a life together, celebrate the good of life together, endure the struggles of life together, and build something beautiful together. What an awesome reminder that was for me to not only celebrate what we have, not only mourn what we lost, but also having the audacity to build life up again, to live forward again, to experience joy again, to fall deeply in love again like he did with Donna. After graduating high school and then eventually moving on to college and graduating university and starting a construction business of all things and then working for a few years as a hospital chaplain, I began to be invited, and many of you know this story, into schools. And oftentimes children would ask the question, who were some of the most influential people in my recovery? So I would talk about them. We talk about Jack Buck and we talk about my family and we talk about Dr. Vachiavajan, my dear friend who did dozens of surgeries with me and treated me so beautifully for months in hospital. But one of the names that would frequently come up was this physician named Carlos Papalardo. And occasionally I would tell his story and the way he treated me and the way he would put ice cream on my hands. That's what he would call the cream. And have champagne parties on my hands. That's what he would call the hydrogen peroxide when he would pour that on. And the way he made a little boy feel so special. So as I told that story to a group of kids a few times, I realized, why have I not told the man himself? Why have I not thanked the man himself for his impact on my life? So I tracked down Carlos Papalardo's number and invited him to join me for lunch. He beat me to the restaurant. I was 10 minutes earlier. He was earlier than I was, seated at the table. When I walked in, this physician leapt to his feet, met me halfway to the front of the restaurant, and gave me this big, huge hug. This is Carlos Papalardo. This is a man who lived love loudly. We had a wonderful lunch together. I remember specifically, he almost refused to answer questions. He was so curious about my life, about my work, about my studies, about my family, about what I was up to. This man was a passionate learner for his entire life. When I finally got him to answer a couple of questions, one of the things I asked him is, what are you doing for the rest of the day? I knew he was retired. He was leaving shortly after lunch to go see a lecture on astronomy. 
it was one of the topics that he had picked up in the later stages of his life. He was a man who believed in continuous learning. He modeled it so brilliantly that he made others attracted and desire that in our lives as well. As we hugged goodbye that day, it was raining outside. This gentleman who was, you know, in his twilight years after hugging me, ran across the street. You ever seen an older man run? Ran across the street, hopped into his car, not before waving to me frantically one more time saying, John O'Leary, have a wonderful day. Pulled the car door shut and drove out. The car that he was driving away in was a hybrid used older model, very relatively inexpensive vehicle. This man could have driven anything in the world that he desired. He'd been a physician for almost 50 years. And he, even at the end of his life, was not motivated by the things that so frequently motivate those of us who live in the world. That wasn't him at all. It never was. Not early in his life, not when I met him, not later on in his life. What a lesson about learning and remaining humble that he taught me in that third encounter. And my friends, we're beginning to move toward the conclusion of this great man's mighty life at the very end of his life, about a year ago. Uh, Although COVID had shut down the retirement home that he was living in at that time and he and I were unable to meet physically, we hopped onto a Zoom call. (laughs) And I remember how amazed he was when he looked at the screen and realized that his friend John O'Leary was in front of him two-dimensionally on the iPad. Blew him away. He, He loved it. We visited for more than 45 minutes. During this visit, as he's talking about how he misses his work and he misses his family and he misses the freedom of being able to move around and drive around. He was very honest with me about some of the struggles in his life. He was also very honest in the fact that he continued to grow, continued to seek knowledge, continued to find joy, and continued to look for examples and opportunities to ensure that others around him found joy in their lives. During this visit, this man and I read poetry together He spent a lifetime not only doing masterful work on his patients, but also reading and creating some incredible poetry. This man was an example of what it looks like to live a meaningful, significant, servant-oriented, faithful, generous life. Carlos Papalardo, 93 when we last visited. When one doctor saw a horse that should be shot, Dr. Carlos Papalardo saw a child whose hands, whose life, whose possibility was as beautiful as an Italian sunset. When some men might try to cover up their emotions or hide their inconsolable loss, Dr. Carlos Papalardo showed me and others in the church what real love, what real loss, and what real masculinity looked like. When... Many folks are excited about slowing down or maybe even showing off the new toys that they can purchase in their life. Dr. Carlos Papalardo was racing literally to his car to run to a lecture on astronomy, remaining humble and spirited and joyful and alive. And in our final conversation, when many folks are slowly fading away, Dr. Carlos Papalardo exuded joy, smiled often, 
loved poetry, loved life, cried frequently, and used the words loved awesome. There was another poet named Roald Dahl who wrote, above all, watch with glittering eyes the world around you. Because the greatest secrets are always hidden in the most unlikely of places. Those who don't believe in magic will never find it. Dr. Carlos Pappalardo, thank you for finding magic in your family. Thank you for finding magic in your patience. And thank you for reminding the rest of us that God is still God. The foundation is still firm. And the best is yet to come. My friends, I wanted to take this episode to honor a mighty man. And I hope after you hear just a few snippets and snapshots of his life, you recognize how powerful this person is and also the call in our lives to seek magic, to be joy, and to remind those around us that their life has value and that the best is yet to come. Well, my friends, this wraps up today's episode celebrating the life and the impact of my physician, Carlos Papalardo. I hope it encourages you as you step into the headwind of the day. Remember this, a lesson taught by a hand surgeon years ago. The foundation is firm. The headwind might be real. The challenges may be fierce, but your life is worthy. It is, in fact, as beautiful as an Italian sunset, and the best is yet to come. So for this time, and until next time, my name is John O'Leary. Today is your day. What a gift it is. Don't waste it and live inspired. You know that Keeley Companies is all about fostering the world-class culture through their incredible cultural pillars. Well, it was time to add a seventh cultural pillar, Keeley Green. Guided by the mission to raise the sustainability standards by which they design, build, operate, and live, Keeley Green is dedicated to using a holistic approach to leave a positive impact on our environment, create a future that is sustainable for generations to come. In the words of Rusty Keeley, we are just getting started. You can learn more about that just getting started mentality and all the work they do by visiting my